Welcome to my podcast. I'm Libby Rothschild of Nutrition Business. I'm a registered dietitian, business coach, and course creator. My goal is to help you make moves in your business, take action, create revenue streams, and grow on social media so you can set up systems for monetization. Welcome to 2019. Really exciting to turn a new leaf and start a new year. In spirit of the first quarter of 2019, I wanted to share with you the five biggest lessons that I've learned this past year from 2018. I want to share and walk with you some of my mindset, habit building, and thought processes in this past year and hopefully inspire you to not only reflect on your past year as well, but take action going forward in 2019 so that you can focus and create income and impact in your online nutrition business. Number one, I'm going to quickly recap the the five lessons learned, and then I'll go into a little bit of detail about all of these five associated top lessons. Number one, I wish I would have worked a little bit more strategically. Number two, uh, believe in myself more. Number three, boundaries in writing for everything. Number four, energy management. And then number five, vision. I want to go into a little bit more of detail with each of these five lessons learned as I tell you stories about this past year, which has been such an incredible year for me. It's been the most lucrative year in my business, and it's it's been a really fun year for me, personally and professionally. I moved to a new state. I got engaged. <laughs> Those are really big life-changing things, right? And I also made, a, you know, tremendous, tremendous moves in my online nutrition business, both by creating passive income. I became a, a accredited provider for registered dietitian nutritionists, created, co-created a course, facilitated multiple masterminds, created a signature program for myself, and then create uh, four to five figures per month in my online nutrition business. That's just from Instagram. That's from using Instagram to, to build my business. And I'm expecting a lot more growth in 2019. So let me walk you through what I've learned and how I'm going to apply these lessons going forward. So when I say work more strategically, I want you to know I do work, as you might know. I work really hard. And I would say my work ethic is one of my top qualities. And uh, I, I want to tell you a little bit more about that. You know, I know you, if you're at all in love with social media as much as I am, a lot of us don't use our time on social media as effectively as we could. Now, I've gotten better with that in 2018, and I plan on being even more strategic with that in 2019. Now, what I mean by that is when you're using social media, if you're using social media as a business and not as a hobby, you're going on for specific reasons. And yeah, it's rewarding and fun as a business tool to engage back with your community, but you still have to think in terms of business. So it's not mindlessly scrolling and sucking in, you know, hours per day on social media or Instagram, for example, it's my favorite platform. It's really, you know, uh, acting with intention. And I think it can be tricky when you use social as a business tool the way I do. 
it can be tricky with using it uh, for fun and enjoying it too much and then using it for business. And I think that that does blend a lot. And I know people talk about taking social, taking a break from social media. I even had a client of mine. I held her accountable for using one of those apps that, um, counts how much time you use per day. And she like made sure she wanted to go under an hour a day. And so she would send me a screenshot every day and for, for a while. And I thought that was such an incredible idea and I, I want to start doing that in 2019. And the reason is I, I love working hard. And I think when you focus your energy a little bit more and more strategically and you do activities that yield you a higher return on investment, that is more in the mindset of a successful entrepreneur with an online nutrition business that's thriving. And if you want to cultivate that environment and really create that, then you need to take the actions associated with the habits and, and build them and, and make sure that you're not just using time on Instagram or social wastefully, right? So like for example, when I go on Facebook, which is not my favorite platform, I go in Facebook groups and I pick groups that have, you know, my target audience in them. I use those groups very strategically and to see what are common problems and concerns and how can I maybe assert myself to uh, build authority, right? And that is also what you want to try to do on all the social media platforms. And I think one lesson that I've learned is to just be a little bit more strategic with that time. I think sometimes I enjoy Instagram too much and I think there are checks and balances and ways that I can be more strategic with my time. And when I look back, I, I struggled between making number one lesson and not working hard enough and working more strategically. And I definitely work hard and I know a lot of you work hard too. And so you resonate with that. I think I could work a little bit more strategically. And and with that being said, when I am working, I can work with a specific outcome in mind and not get distracted. And I know a lot of us do. A lot of us get, get distracted with whatever platform it might be. And I think Instagram, for some reason, it just seems like one of those platforms that's easier to get distracted. Like when I'm on YouTube, which I also love, I just don't get that distracted. And maybe it's because, you know, by nature of the platform, people post once or twice a week or so is more of a standard on YouTube versus once a day on Instagram. And when I'm on YouTube, I, I go on, I check out a video or two, I know who I like, I, I know the people that I always watch their videos, and that's it. I don't really get sucked into the the vortex of, of that platform. And same thing with, with Facebook groups, not as much. And podcasts are pretty much, I know what I listen to, I know when those new episodes are up or they'll show up in my queue, uh, but when it comes to Instagram, I feel like it's really important to have checks and balances. If you want to be making moves in your business, I'm not, you could say, all right, I'm going to do an hour a day, which sounds reasonable. I think it's important to know what are you doing in that hour. If you're watching stories so that you can engage and that leads back to helping you with using Instagram as a business tool, that's a yes. If you're using stories just because and to enjoy yourself, that's fine. But realize that doesn't go into business time. So when people are telling me, oh, I spend so much time in my business and they use Instagram as a business school, but yet they're on Instagram just playing and hanging out. 
that doesn't count. So I, I need you to think about separating what is the actual activity on Instagram that you're using that's helping you get a return on investment. Like what are you doing in your business to use Instagram as a business tool? I myself can be a little bit more strategic about that going forward. I personally get wrapped up in those DMs. I get a lot per day, sometimes hundreds. And I, you know, I do respond to them. And I think what I could do, here's my example, is respond to them all at the same time. So instead of when I log in and see them and respond, I can have a specific time of the day and say I'm going to respond to DMs at noon. And then I also have to force myself to not read them until a certain part of the day. And that's just a little bit of discipline. And that's something that I will be working on. And when I look back at 2018, although I made huge progress and I'm happy about the year, I think to myself, wow, if I was more disciplined with how I function in my direct messages on Instagram, I could have been even further in my business. So that's something I want to be really honest about reflecting on and improve going into 2019. A little bit of discipline with when I check and respond back to my community. I think it's important for you to think of that too. Number two, believing in myself. So for those of you who listen to my imposter syndrome episode, which is my most downloaded episode of all time, I talked you through my story and talking about what imposter syndrome means, different types of imposter syndrome and how I've experienced that in my professional life. And I still, I still struggle with imposter syndrome today. I fluctuate between dealing with imposter syndrome and feeling like I'm, I've done really good things and I'm happy for myself, but it's, It's a strange combination where I feel confident and I still do feel sometimes surprised. And, you know, when people ask me to do things or or they want to, you know, pay me a high rate for consulting, I still feel a little bit of a disconnect. I guess it's me having to really own the fact that I've worked hard and I've made it. And I constantly have to remind myself of that. And I feel like there are a lot of aspects of my life where if I apply the principles of overcoming imposter syndrome on a regular basis, I could be a lot further ahead. And what I mean by that is making decisions to be more strategic with my time. Those of you know, I still have a full-time job. I do plan on on, um, modifying that at some point soon. and, And I've been honest about that. That has been my goal in 2019. And the thing is, I did so well financially in my business. Like I said, you know, uh, four or five figure months consistently just from Instagram. And what I mean by that is using Instagram is is how I've been able to, to gain my income, gain clients and sell, sell my digital product and also sell my coaching services and consulting. Those are my streams of income from online. And you know, if you hear that, you might be like, well, well, like, why don't I quit my job? And this is the thing. It's, it's difficult for me. And when I look back, I think to myself, yeah, I I could have been further along earlier. And I do think it's a combination of a fear, which is really imposter syndrome. And I have a lot of excuses as to why I kept my job and why I still have it. And I think a lot of it is I grew a lot faster than I anticipated and I have this side hustle and uh, my goal was to have it become full-time in 2019. I just didn't realize it would happen at the beginning of 2019. And, And again, that's where the imposter syndrome lies. Like 
I say to myself, I struggle between feeling, wow, I deserve this. I've worked really strategically and I've, you know, followed the framework that I teach my clients and I've been able to achieve the success that I have and own it. And at the same time, as I tell you that, I also do feel a little scared. I ask myself, wow, can I keep this up? You know, is this something I can sustain? And there's that little voice inside me that says, like, what if I can't? And I know that's it's silly and, and that even sounds ridiculous as I say it. It's If it's income that I'm worried about, which I have no reason to be, I have multiple streams, multiple sources of income. And I do that on purpose. And all people who want to build wealth do that. They create multiple streams. They don't have one stream. You don't just have a coaching business. If you want to be wealthy and rich, you have multiple streams. You, you're a producer. You produce content or you're a speaker and you get, you know, called and you charge a high rate and do conferences. Or for those of you who decide to do brand work, you have multiple options of income, multiple types of income. You have passive income through an ebook or digital product, etc. You have recurring income from a subscription service. And you have active income, which is trading time for dollars, which is the easiest type of income. Or if you're like me, you have multiple different types of active income, right? So I've got the nine to five, and then I've also got the coaching. And those are two different types of active income. And consulting is also active income as well. So I'm really good at active income. (laughs) I've got a lot of it, but the goal would be to do less of that, right? More of the passive and less of the active income because the active income, there's only so much a human being can do. and, And that's just that that's where the scalability comes in. You have to think how you can scale what you've created and help more people in a way that extends beyond trading time for dollars. So believing in myself is still an issue and I, I might always struggle with imposter syndrome and it might be at different levels as I conquer more of my achievements and I just want to let you know that's it's still there. I still struggle with it. And I do waver. I waver between feeling fear, which is really insecurity, and then feeling confident. And it's a very interesting combination. And uh, I hope that can shed some light for you and help you think, okay, maybe I have a little bit of that too in, in some degree. And I, I, I too can make four or five figures per month and achieve the goals and dreams that I want through my side hustle. Cause I did that with a full-time job and, you know, in a relationship and a move and et cetera. And, and there's no reason why you can't do that as well. Moving on to number three, boundaries and writing for everything. I think because my active income is so robust, meaning I have so many different streams of active income, I have like four streams of active income. And if you don't have tight checks and balances for your active income, <laughs> that's bad news. So what I what I mean by that is in my, let's say, coaching business, I've gotten a lot better this year. I've learned through trial and error about the contract. So for those of you who do coaching one-on-one or anything in your nutrition business, the first thing that might come to mind to you is cancellation policy. I don't know why it's everybody loves to talk about cancellation policy and I get it. You know, I know a lot of dietitians will charge a fee if somebody cancels last minute and they'll put that into their clause. I encourage you to think beyond just the cancellation policy, writing a contract in, in exchanging your time and creating a system 
with your clients is a part of your brand and your business, and it should be a part of your, of your signature program. And so when you're thinking of your, of your contract, I want you to think of every single detail. And this is a big lesson that I learned this past year, partially because I went from, you know, a handful of clients to dozens, like, um, multiple dozens of clients. And so when you're dealing with a larger number of people, then of course you have to have more strict systems in place. So an example of what I mean by that is what's your refund policy? No judgment for whatever it is, but you need to have one in place. And how many hours ahead do people need to call? What you know, platform do you use? Do you use a client management system? And then what systems exactly do you have in place for when you send them the contract? Do you make them um, pay and book well ahead? How many people can you take per quarter, per month, etc.? And so then when you know all this backend information, then when you have a client or a lead, meaning someone who's not yet a client who could be a potential lead, when they come through the door and they're ready, you are good to go. And what I mean by that is when you're giving them the contract, and I'm speaking about contracts because this is something that I've worked a lot on this year. Think about how you want to design your program. Think about how you want to design the experience that you have with somebody else. And for me, that means that they're booking calls with me a month ahead. And why not? Because when you're dealing with a high volume of people, whether it's a high or a low volume, it doesn't really matter how busy you might or might might not be. When you command a certain level of, of um, I guess, respect is what I would call it, but it, it, it could be interpreted as differently when you set the parameters of how you want to run your business and you're clear your clients will follow if you don't set the parameters and you're unclear then don't expect anybody to take you seriously so what i've done and secured in, in quarter 1 of 2019 is had my clients uh they 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 all book their calls 4 weeks ahead and i made that very clear and that's a requirement with working with me twofold One, because I have multiple clients and I need to know ahead. I don't want anybody booking last minute. And two, like, why didn't I do that earlier? Why did I let people book when they want? This is my business. These are my terms. And I want you to book ahead of time for multiple reasons. Number one, you need to take this seriously. If you're working well, if you're investing in yourself and I'm investing my time in you, then I need you to actually prioritize me on your calendar and think ahead. Number two, I don't want anybody deciding when they want the call, you know, very whims, like on a whim. I want that to be something that you premeditate. I want us to both know and both anticipate and base the strategy around when that call is going to be. So that needs to be secured ahead of time. Now, that's something that I've set in place as a part of my system and structure. And I want you to think for your designated program and what you offer, what are the stipulations that you have set in place? What are the parameters? What are the parameters for time, for money, for expectations, etc.? And that needs to be really clear. So I wish I would have done that earlier on. I mean, I, I learned that in 2018 and implemented that in 2019. And I think to myself, if I would have been more strict about those boundaries earlier on and required that my clients booked calls well ahead of time, that would have been much better off for me. Additionally, I've also done some other things that I'm embarrassed about, but I used to let clients, 
I let a couple of them like book with me through a calendar note, like a, a calendar confirmation instead of Acuity. Now you could use Calendly, any, any um, client uh, software that allows you to schedule. Any scheduling software, there's tons out there. I use Acuity and I think if you have a scheduling system, then that means every single person that you work with needs to use that system. And when I look back earlier on in 2018, I used to let clients book in other ways or I wouldn't require that they book through Acuity. And now I'm like, nope, <laughs> you have to use Acuity. I also had some problems because I'm international. So since I accommodate other time zones, I had people book through Acuity. At, well, when I did force them to book through Acuity, I didn't set it to their time zone preference. So I had a few clients book and not realize that the time zone was set on East Coast. And that sounds like a really amateur mistake. It is, by the way, very amateur mistake. I fixed that and I think to myself, that was not very user-friendly for the client. And that's bad on my part because when I create a business, I'm all about customer service and that experience should be as easy as possible for the customer. I have a couple other things like that that are tech related that I've done. I used to I use Zoom, which is a video uh, video conferencing tool for all my um, sessions with clients, and I like to see them. And I also like to share screens so we can go over any strategy documentation. I always take notes, and now I take notes in Asana and and add my clients onto a board so that we can follow along that board with checklists, and then we can look as a whole. So that's that's uh, Zoom is great. And what I used to do before 2019 is I didn't have Zoom integrated with uh, my Acuity link. So what I did is I would have people uh, sign up through Acuity for a time slot and then I would send them a Zoom link after. And why am I doing double the work? Seriously, I did that for a year and I did that for every client and every appointment. That was a lot of time on me doing admin work, which I hate. I hate admin work. I don't like sending contracts. I dis I like cannot stand sending invoices. I hate it. And it's just not it's not a good use of my time. And I definitely don't like going on Zoom and scheduling all these sessions, right? So I finally integrated Zoom with Acuity so when a client books a session through my scheduling link, they automatically get that Zoom link on the calendar note. Now, I know that might sound like an easy fix, and it's like, oh, why didn't you do that earlier? But the reality is that I just <laughs> I didn't have it set up in place. And the, and the person that suffered from that, maybe my clients didn't care as much, although it's not, again, it's not user-friendly for them. I don't want to have to tell them, remind them a few different times for links. Uh, it would make a lot more sense. It would be more seamless for everybody if I had all of those systems integrated from the beginning. So that's a big lesson learned. Moving on to number four, energy management. I wish that I would have outsourced sooner. So I just mentioned a lot about invoicing and admin work. I've just been noticing that I've been doing a lot of admin work in my business. And that's why I finally switched to Dubsado, which is a client management system where it automates workflows. So once I have a client who is, well, first a lead, right? So somebody who wants to work with me, they apply for coaching. And then if they're not waitlisted, if I have slots open, then what would happen is uh, we, if uh, they meet the criteria to work with me based on the application process, I'd send them a link for a discovery call. And then that's all automated, unless if I want to go in and see that lead and make sure uh, that the whole process looks good. And that whole process 
it's a lot easier and then I have the invoicing set up. So I set my rates on Dubsado and then once um, I send them a proposal, so I have to just go into client management software, I go into their email and then I scroll down to the proposal that I want. Let's say I have a couple different proposals if I have more than one offer. I send it to them and then if they agree, the client management system auto-generates a contract and the steps that I have set in place. That does require some front front work. So there's some, I mean, I had to, I actually hired multiple people to help me with this. <laughs> I, I outsourced, which is good. Uh, but once you get that set up, uh, it's a really great uh, workflow and it's a great way to not do as much of the working in your business type of thing where you're doing invoicing and contracts and back and forth. And that's something I spent way too much time in 2018 doing. And I just wish I would have moved on to this client management system earlier. I waited till I had 14 clients to use Dubsado. Like, that's crazy. I can't believe I didn't do this earlier. Um, so, and, and then my next episode, I've got a Dubsado consultant who I hired on to help me and she's wonderful. So if you just stay tuned and she'll tell you a little bit more about that next week, she'll walk you through and you can download her freebie and learn more about her amazing offerings. So when it comes to the whole concept of energy management, I wish that I would have done Dubsado earlier. I also wish that I would have had a team. I wish I would have hired a virtual assistant, not only to help me with admin work, but to send out a newsletter. So if you haven't noticed, I haven't sent out a newsletter in 2018. And I did a lot of promotion and focus on my work with my course with Rachel from Beat the Algorithm, which went, <laughs> went amazing. And I'm happy about that. But first of all, both of us, for our business with Beat the Algorithm and for my own independent business of Libby Rothschild and Nutrition Business, I was not sending out regular newsletters. So although I was building my list, I did not spend a lot of time nurturing my list. And the reason is I was not managing my energy good enough. So it would have made a lot more sense if I would have spent a little bit of my time sending out regular updates. Now, if I'm strapped for time, I should have hired out. Now I'm doing that at the tail end of 2018. Had I looked back and managed my time a little bit more efficiently, knowing how important email marketing is, I would have nurtured my list earlier on in 2018. So going forward, since I um, I don't love words, <laughs> that's why I have a podcast. I love talking and I love video, but I don't love writing. I'm gonna. I have my VA who's wonderful. Uh, in my voice, you know, she'll type out a recap of what I have going on for either biweekly or for the month, and we'll we'll do that as my recap. And then I'll I'll review it and make sure that the text sounds correct, and that takes a load off of me because I don't like doing it, and it helps me not do that kind of admin work. Like I consider writing a newsletter or nurturing your list to me. I find that a very admin type of task. And what she's doing is taking my podcast episodes, transcribing them, recapping them, putting them into a blog post, and then taking my words, doing a quick little recap, and then just sending that out through ConvertKit, who's my email provider. And then that way I can keep you all updated with what's going on. And that's a really great way to nurture your list and your community. And that's really important. Moving on to the last topic of what I've learned in 2018, that would be vision. And I just want to tell you that I have slipped a little bit 
on thinking ahead for the next step. And I think a lot of that has to do with the very first lesson learned, and that's working more strategically. Working more strategically is, if anything, that is the theme of this episode. Working more strategically would have meant that everything else would have fit in place better, and that's a huge goal of mine going forward. So if I were to have had been more strategic in my process, I would have done a lot more vision work. Vision, what does my business look like in 2019? What does my vision look like and feel like in quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, and quarter four? And those of you might say, oh, I can't plan that far ahead, etc. But the reality is that the, the time goes very quickly. And before you know it, you're going to be in the next stage of your business and you're going to have to try to keep up with what's going on in real time when that is that means you're already failing. So if you're trying to keep up with today, then you're not being a proactive business owner. You're being a reactive entrepreneur. And the way to lose money is to be reactive and not proactive. The most successful, impactful leaders are the ones who are three, four steps ahead in business. So instead of trying to clean up for what you have now and trying to, you know, make things work, a chunk, a huge chunk, as much as possible of a chunk of time of yours on a regular consistent basis should be thinking ahead and, and visualizing the next step. What do you want to create? How are you going to get there? What, you know, what do you want to do a year from now? And then every day remind yourself of the steps that you need to take and the direction in order to get there. And I failed at doing this this past year. And I was being very reactive. I grew a little faster than I anticipated. I did not expect to have a wait list for my coaching business. I even increased my prices and I still had a waiting list, which means my prices are still too low. And and so I constantly in 2018, just reaction mode, reaction mode, just constantly reaction mode. I even had a client of mine who was ready to work with me. This is a client I'm familiar with. Uh, and who was in one of my masterminds in 2018 with uh, Rachel Paul and I. And when this client was ready, I said to this client, I can't take you. And the client's like, well, why not? And I said, I do not have the capacity. And I, it, it hit me at that moment. And I, I mean, like, why? <laughs> right? And I didn't have any system in place. I had nothing to tell this, like, I figured it out real fast. I was like, listen, I'll fit you in here. We'll make it work. Like, can you give me a month? And luckily this person like gave me some time and I appreciate that. I could have lost business easily, but the reality is I was not prepared. And that's because I was living in reaction, not proactive mode. And, and you'll get into that slope if you're not thinking ahead and acting ahead. And what I mean by that is setting goals for the next months, not for this month, not for this week. You got to set goals for the next months. I'm constantly asking my clients that. What do you want to do next quarter? Where do you see your business in six months from now, in one year from now? And then what are the steps we can take now to build what you want to do then? And the, the idea is that it'll happen faster than you realize. But if you don't know what you want in one, two years from now, then it's going to be really hard to make a significant impact and stay motivated today. So the, the top advice I can give about the vision and having the vision is to remind yourself of your end goal or, you know, remind yourself of your why and then take steps every day to, to achieve that. And I think that delegation is more important than ever 
because any task that I can have somebody else do, that means I can take that time and energy to have a vision for my future. I believe that Mark Zuckerberg does that. I believe that he spends, he's even been quoted. I'll have to find what he, his exact quote, but he spends a lot of his time thinking about Facebook, like strategizing the next step. And obviously, I mean, he's taken over the world, right? The social media world and more than that. And like, think about yourself in that kind of position. How can you put yourself in an environment where you are thinking about your own quote-unquote Facebook, right? Your business, so to speak. Facebook for Mark Zuckerberg. It'll be my business for me. And then think about your business and how can you spend more time having a vision for your future and then setting up the steps to take for that vision to become a reality. And the more you can do that, that's when you're a leader. So when I say vision, what I mean is leadership. I, I I regret spending less time having a vision for how I can lead my business in the future. And what that means is I got to manage my time better. I got to quit my job. I have to have a, a team, not just a virtual assistant, a team and think, how can I get to where I want to be sooner? Who can help me? Who can support me? Who can keep me motivated? And I want you to think what small steps you can take in order to have a vision. And maybe it's visual. Maybe you have a Pinterest board. Maybe you create a vision board. Maybe you have an exercise where you journal. You hear the most successful people wake up early and journal. There's no denying that. They meditate. They do all the difficult things, all the things that maybe you don't want to do. You think that journaling is boring or you think you don't have three minutes to journal every day. That's what the most successful people in the world do. They journal, they meditate, they go to sleep early and they wake up early. They, you know, they, they have habits and behaviors that stand out. They don't, they check their email once or twice a day, right? That's total goals for me. I'm, I am way too much in my email. And I, I think of those people and how they have their vision and they're consistent and strategic. And to me, that's really empowering and inspiring. In closing, I want to sum up the five biggest lessons learned, and those are working more strategically, believing in myself, setting boundaries in writing for everything in my business, managing energy more meticulously, and having a clear vision and acting on it. Thank you so much for listening. Are you ready to build impact and create revenue streams in your business? Go to LibbyRothschild.com and apply for coaching. Also, check out my course opportunities such as Beat the Algorithm to learn how to set up systems for monetization in your nutrition business.